How you doing? It's Kaijan the Icon here on my podcast, my Yehemi podcast. Uh, I usually try to bring you some type of philosophical thought, but I am forced today to speak about what I usually don't speak about, which is politics. I try to stay away from talking about politics purely because the only reach that I have is the internet. And for the people who watch me on the internet or and will be able to comment, I don't like to talk to people who are uneducated in certain realms or period. If you're uneducated, I don't really want to have a debate with you per se. And I, and when it comes to politics, I'm not well-versed in the political law. I'm not well-versed in things happening, but there are certain things that happen that force everybody to have an opinion. I still hate having an opinion and having to put it out there and having to debate it with people who don't know what they're talking about, because truly none of us know what's going on in politics. Even people in politics don't know what's going on in politics. That being said, I have a thought about what's happening in Afghanistan that I do want to share with the internet. For anybody who will come across this video, I do think that this is a bit of wisdom in this time. Um, so I will start with the first time it was brought to my attention that the war in Afghanistan was an unwinnable war. Uh, when I say unwinnable, we will get to that. But before I even go further, I want to make it clear that what's happening now was always what was going to happen. And the boots on the ground, they if you put boots on the ground in Afghanistan, first off, thank you for your service. Second, it was it was palpable. You could taste it that this is something you can't defeat. Right. And I'm gonna get into what I mean by, you know, you you can't defeat uh like the war in Afghanistan, you can't defeat that, right? So the first time it was brought to my attention that the war in Afghanistan was an unwinnable war was when I joined the army myself. I joined the army in 2011 and got to boot camp and there was a sergeant screaming at us, telling us how we thought we were brave. We thought we were this, we thought we were that. And he starts there like, you think you're brave. You think you're a soldier private. You know, the, 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 what he should be doing to condition the soldiers, right? It was an incredible experience. But then he gets to talking to us because, you know, you can't do that for too many hours. He gets to talking to us and he says, he's like, you know, do you know what you're, heading into and you know we're like no you know tell us more he's like you're heading into an unwinnable war and all of us 18 year olds you know our jaws are dropping like what does he mean like why would he tell us this on our first day so he tells us that you know you're you're heading into an unwinnable war me being me i said what do you mean by that he said well you cannot defeat a mindset. And I said, okay, what does that mean? Like, I understand, obviously, you can't beat up someone's thoughts, but what do you mean? He said, listen, I've been to Afghanistan, and this war is the war on terrorism. He said, on the surface, great idea. But when you really think about it, can you defeat somebody who wants to terrorize the world? And I'm like, I, I still wasn't getting it. And he kind of broke it down quickly. He said, you know, by the time I kill all the guys who are, who are terrorizing the world, their children are now being raised in a world where I killed their father. So it's a war that will never end because, you know, who's really the terrorizer, right? And that was the first time I kind of accepted, oh, 
like the war in Afghanistan is it, it, we're, we're eventually just gonna, just gonna have to leave like the American uh, army military. We can't just do this forever. Right. That was the first time that I realized that the second time that I realized that was a couple years later after one of my friends returned from Afghanistan. And this was really an incredible thought and it runs through my head probably once a month, probably twice a month. He said something that was incredible to me. He said he was over there. This is a big white dude, right? It's like six, four, not six, four. He's like six foot even. Two thirty, you know what I mean? Solid, tough guy, right? He said he was over there geared up, wearing his, you know, military gear, blonde hair, blue eyed, gigantic white man. And he watched the Afghan people for, you know, a year, two years of his life. And he realized that despite the narrative that they were right. Now, hear me out. Not I'm not saying Sharia. He he wasn't saying and I'm not saying Sharia law and cutting someone's hand off when they steal and the intricacies of the society are correct. That's not what he meant. That's not what I mean. But what he explained to me was he said they're right. And I said, what do you mean? Once again, I'm intrigued and I'm shocked. He said they're right because in 300 years, they can still live like that. In America, we don't got 300 years. And if we do have 300 years, our 300 years don't look the same as they look right now. So if you look at life past your own life span, right, then they're correct. And he said it was eating away at him to be over there occupying their country, realizing that, like, man, they're right. The way they treat people, not right. The way that they treat women, not right. The way that they sanitize or whatever or whatever other parts of their culture you want to dissect, not right. But what they do do right is that they're living in a sustainable state that cannot be, not cannot, but most likely, given no natural disaster, they can pretty much live in that manner for eons right for forever but we in america we can't live like this for 300 we do everyone knows we don't got 300 years left of being america right um something's got to give right between climate change between the economic systems that we've built that are old and need to be eradicated something needs to give we know that we don't have 300 years of treating people the way that we do right but over there he said you know and he made it clear he's like they can live like that forever like that, that can be sustained. Like, so that was the second time I was like, huh, you know, the war in Afghanistan, like, is an unwinnable war. Like, because they, at the end of the day, right, they're correct. Um, not correct, like I said, in, in, the intricacies, in the intricacies when you break down everything, but just on the, like, humanistic like sustainability like oh yeah that's that's gonna work much longer than what we're doing so with those two thoughts the first being you know you can't kill a mindset and the second thought being well you know that's gonna last forever i i've been sitting with these thoughts for like 10 years now like man like it's crazy even even i see pictures and you know what i mean when I see pictures, when I talk to people who've been to Afghanistan, you know what I mean? When I 
see the news, when I watch anything about it, it's just like, wow, like in the end, dude, they're going to win because they don't care. Like they don't care to be a part of this system that we have. Right. Um, And that's obviously surface level. There's obviously government interference. And obviously I have no understanding of what the government is truly doing over there. Neither do you. So who knows who's in cahoots with who at the top? We're not going to talk about that. What we're going to talk about is just philosophically speaking, the war in Afghanistan was not a winnable war. Um, There was a quote that I just heard before making this video, which, which motivated me to make this video. The quote was, um, you have the watch, but we have the time. I could be messing it up. No, no, that's what it was. You have the watch, but we have the time. And that speaks to this difference in perspective on life between America or Western society and Eastern society. Um, there is this, like when you think about time, not time, when you think about a watch, right? A watch is to count the hours, right? Uh, in, in America, we're very punctual uh, people, right? We think about our life in eight-hour workdays. We think about our commute in time, right? Um, people who don't live and are not in, in an industrialized nation, they don't think in these like broken down hourly things like we do, right? Their life is not segmented um, into hours like ours is. Of course, time is for everyone is the same, but the way that we look at time and the way that we view time, right? So the point of that quote that, they, that, that I heard today was that by you saying oh, all troops are gonna be out by 2022, all the Taliban had to do to hold on to a good core of of cadre right till 2022 because you're gonna leave and then we're gonna do what we were trying to do the whole time for the last 20 years because you look at this like up spending money up spend 20 years up we did what we could do up it's time to go gotta go back to our own country gotta spend money over there that's how you look at the world because you're a capitalist and to you time is money that's how you look at the world we look at the world as the world time there is no there is no time limit right it's very hard to beat that kind of a person or that ideology right because and even in the video they explain they said you know what i mean there's there are taliban right now who weren't even alive when the official war on terrorism started which goes back to my other point about you can't defeat a mindset, which goes back to my other point of the sustainability of what they're doing. So you have to watch, but we have the time. As in, we're going to wait this out forever. And unless you kill absolutely all of us, this is what it's going to be. We're going to be waiting. Another thought, and this is a philosophical thought that I really would like to share with you. When it comes to the war in Afghanistan, what are we really trying to give them? Truly, and this is why I believe personally, one of my own original thoughts, what are we trying to give them? Right? Are we selling them a product that will make them jump for joy saying we absolutely want that 
On the surface, absolutely. We're selling them the American system, one of the most successful systems um, of the past 200 years, right? Easy, easy, easily most successful uh, system. Um, it's, 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 it's changing, but America is America, right? So trying to sell them that product on the surface sounds good. But they, or if it was me, right? You're looking at the product like, well, what does it take to sustain this product? And what is it like living under this exact system? And if you're honest with yourself as an American citizen, would you buy the American system based on the product that you see in America? Be honest. Would you buy the American political system if it was if it was being sold to you? If you saw what it took to sustain it and what it actually was given? Because me, I will be like, okay, you want me to take on your system? Does that mean that my people have to get into student debt? Does that mean that I have to also take on institutionalized racism? Does that mean I also have to do a war on drugs? Does that mean they have to build a lot of prisons to imprison people who are different a different color like does that mean I have to do that right and does that mean that i have to also make it so that most of the uh youth in my country can't go to college or sorry that one of the easiest ways for them to get an education is to join the military like does that mean i have to do that and the answer to those questions is not that easy like it's not that easy to be like yeah that's what we're selling you you know because we have our own issues we have our own deep rooted issues so for us to try to sell democracy to them you know it's like i might want to buy it but like eh, i don't know if i want to buy it from you like you know you go to the used car dealership and you're like this car is cool but like i don't know man you're kind of sketch so i'm not trying to buy it right so to sell them something when we haven't even well we're not even doing it the way that we are the way that we have the potential to do it right so I'm not trying to go on a tangent. I just want to make it clear. The first part of this, you cannot defeat a mindset. When it comes to the war in Afghanistan, you cannot defeat a mindset. Terrorism is a mindset. And by the time you kill one terrorist, his children are there to avenge his death for you terrorizing their father. So it's a perpetual system that cannot be broken. It's very difficult to defeat a mindset. You have to augment the mindset. You cannot just change it. You can't just eradicate it. It's impossible. Number two, the sustainability of their life makes it very hard for them to just want to give that up, right? Why would I give up my sustainable system for your insustainable system, right? Right. So based off the sustainability alone, if you want to just be objective, they are correct. So if I'm correct and you're incorrect, why would I change to be incorrect? That doesn't make sense. Then the third thing is a, a, a different view of time, right? We are capitalists. It's so ingrained in us. Time is money. When I say that statement, you know exactly what I mean. When it comes to the Middle East or the Eastern way of looking at the world, you know, time is time. There is no need to break it down into 24 hours in a day. You just live, right? And when you just live, the moment someone tells you, I'm going to be out of your country by 2022, 2023, you just wait till 2023. You just sustain, once again, sustain what you have. Wait to 2023, and then you and then you continue business as planned. 
That's one to catch you up. That, that's what I'm saying about Afghanistan. And the last point that I'm making about, not last, but the last point I made just to catch you up is that what are we selling them? Are we selling them democracy? Because if we're selling them democracy, you have to look at what we have. You have to look at what we're doing, right? And this is all philosophical. Once again, I hate talking politics. So that being said, that, that, that brings me to the end of my thoughts on the war in Afghanistan and, and then the Taliban taking over. That brings me to the end because I don't want to be long-winded and I don't want to debate any, I don't want to debate or get anybody's feathers riled up because I'm proud of our U.S. military. I don't want the NSA coming to my house and, you know what I mean, just taking me away. So I love our military. I do love our government. I love America. However, I'm, I'm a practical, educated person. And when you look at things objectively and you take your emotions out of it, you got to really look at the Taliban like, I understand. I don't like the way you're treating your people. I don't like the things that I've read. I don't like the ideology. However, I understand why you're not jumping for joy to bow down to the American political system that is that has been attempted to be implemented for the last 20 years. I understand, right? And I will leave you with this. This is my original thought. Do not take my original thought. But when it comes to the Taliban and when it comes to the war in Afghanistan, there's one quote that you need to understand. You cannot gentrify what cannot die. One more time. You cannot gentrify what cannot die. Uh, I made an art piece and that quote is on there. That quote came to me as I was making the art piece and that's a different video. But I, I, I've been sitting on this quote because it's so powerful to me, because a lot of times when, it, when we talk about this social progress uh, and when we try to update or make a neighborhood more safe, right, you try to gentrify something. And I live in the Chicago land area. So there's a lot of neighborhoods that are that, that get gentrified, but like you can still get shot. And it makes me laugh because I'm like, oh, you thought you did something like you thought that this new building, you really thought that this was going to make it to where the people who live in that area just aren't going to be who they've always been. Um, so that's what I that's my thought on. That's my thoughts about the war in Afghanistan. That's my final thought for you. You cannot gentrify what can I die? You cannot bring uh, 2021 political systems to people who are choosing to live uh as if it was a thousand years ago, you know what I mean? By choice, like they know better things exist. They're a hundred percent aware. Don't want it. Like you cannot gentrify that. You cannot occupy that. You cannot update that, which just not want to be updated. Right. Um, so you cannot gentrify what cannot die. You can't kill a mindset. You can't kill a way of life. You can try, but it's, it's futile. And it takes too much energy, which is why we're leaving. You know what I mean? Don't care what president it is. Some president eventually was going to say, we got to go. The war is futile. We got to go. Somebody was going to pull the trigger and say that we have to leave. Um, that being said, you cannot gentrify what cannot die. That being said, I want to leave you with this story. It's one of my favorite stories. It's a story about perspective. Something to leave you with, a thought to leave you with. There's a man in Africa working with Europeans. It's about 1950. 
the Europeans are coming there uh, to occupy the town, obviously to take resources, to pretty much colonize the village. The villagers are okay with it because the white man is bringing water, he's bringing um, other amenities that the African wouldn't have, uh, you know, in, in abundance, right? So they're working in close quarters. You know, the white man is there, the white man is there to work, and the black man is there to work. The white man is working, but he's wearing a shirt, he's wearing pants, and he's wearing shoes. You know, he's working, and he's looking at the African wearing a tie. The African is wearing a tie, but no shirt, and just shorts and no shoes, and he's working. And they're both working outside. The white man looks at the African and he says, in his mind, what an idiot. He doesn't know you're supposed to wear a shirt with a tie. He doesn't know you're supposed to wear shoes. You're going to be working outside. What a savage. That's what the white man thinks when he looks at the black man, the African. The African looks at the white man and he says, in his mind, what an idiot. It's 90 degrees. Why is he wearing a shirt? Why is he wearing shoes and socks? What an idiot. We're working outside. He would be much cooler if he just took that shirt off, right? See, what the African and the white man, when they work in close quarters, see what the white man doesn't get is that the African is just living, right? He's living in the most practical way he can. He knows it's hot. He's not going to wear a bunch of clothes. He just likes that color of the tie because he doesn't see that color often. He's just wearing the tie because he likes the color. The white man cannot understand this. The African sees the white man fully dressed. It's hot, high outside, and they're working. Cannot understand why you would wear that that many clothes when a night in ninety degrees. And that's one of my favorite stories about perspective, because they're both right. They're both right, right? And we and this story I've been saying about America and the Taliban and, and Afghanistan, they're both right. America has chosen social progression on the surface level. They've chosen to be a nation where education is a foundation. They've chosen to be a democratic system where we can vote and, and vote people in and vote people out, you know, things of that nature. We really have tried that theoretically, which is the correct thing to do, right? Build build a New York, build a Chicago, build a LA, build, build a society. We, we've chosen that. But the Taliban have chosen something else that's not wrong. They've chosen sustainability. They've chosen to live in a manner more in accordance with nature. So they've chosen to live in a way that can be sustained for thousands of years. Climate change, no climate change. They've chosen to live in a way that they can sustain. So they're not wrong either. Just like the European. He's not wrong for wearing a shirt. He's not wrong for wearing shoes. But neither is the African for not wearing shoes and for wearing a tie, right? So just some perspective. So thank you for listening to me. I appreciate it. This has been Kaijan Clark, Kaijan the Icon. You hear me? This has been an episode of my podcast. Hope you like it. Uh, Let me know what you think, and I appreciate it. Thank you.